0: today we've got a very special show today uh, today we are talking about the launch of your brand new book loving completely yes oh this is exciting man i'm excited it's exciting for many reasons i mean a not only is it yet another awesome book by dr keith witt uh, but it's also the first book that um, we've published on the integral life publishing imprint so this is, this is really cool. Um, so yeah, today I think we're just going to you know, do what we usually do. We're just going to hang out. We're going to have some fun, uh, give a, a basic overview of the book, which you know, really loving completely in a lot of ways has been you know, sort of a, 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 an overarching framework that we use for a lot of our conversations here. So That's some right. of this will be you know, familiar to people who have um, joined us previously in previous months. And, but I think we'll get to a lot of new material here too. Um, so, you know, before we begin, I just, a couple brief announcements. Uh, first off, if you're joining us on Integral Live right now, integrallife.com slash live, uh, you'll notice that we actually are selling Keith's book right now. So it doesn't officially come out until I think the Monday after next, which is the, the 10th, I believe. The 10th, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we actually are selling the ebook versions on Interval Live right now, so if you scroll just below the video player on Interval Live, you'll see three options. One of those options is really cool. Today only, 24 hours, we're doing a 50% discount on the Loving Completely Web Course, and if you purchase that web course at 50% off, we'll give you the ebook for free. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is just purchase the ebook. It's $9.99 you can purchase right on the Interval Life store, uh, and you'll get both a Kindle version and an iBooks version. And then the third link is a link over to Amazon where you can pre-order the actual soft cover book. Uh, I'm hoping everyone who's listening today will do one of those three. We really want this book to be you know, successful. I mean, not, not only because, hey, we wrote a book, we want people to buy it and read it. Uh, but as I said, this is you know a bit of an experiment for us. This is the first book that we've done on the Interval Life imprint. And uh, I would very much like to do more. Uh, so hopefully, you know, you guys um, will pick up a copy of the book that will send us a clear message. Hey, you know, this is, this is something we should uh, keep doing in the months and, and years to come. Uh, a couple other general announcements. So if you're watching on, again, intergalife.com live, there's a link directly underneath the video player that will, if you click that link, it'll bring you to the Zoom app. And if you have any questions for Keith or any comments that you wanna share, that's how you're gonna do it. You're gonna click that link, it's gonna open up the Zoom app, it'll prompt you to download it if you don't already have it installed, it's totally free. And then it'll bring you into the conversation, you'll be listed as an attendee. Once you're an attendee, you have two ways you can interact with us. You can either submit a question by clicking the Q&A button, uh, which will let you um, send us a written question that we'll read on the air, Uh, and then Keith will, will answer your question or you can press the raise my hand button, which will let us know that you want us to turn on your camera. And once we turn on your camera, you'll actually join the conversation and you can talk with Keith and myself in real time. So again, two different ways to engage. We'll go over all this later on when it's time for Q&A. It's by far our favorite part of the show. So, you know, please, if you have anything at all to say, uh, join us, let us know. Um, Other than that, Keith, congratulations, man. I'm, I'm I'm super happy for you. This book turned out absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I you know from the cover to the last page, um, you know we were talking about internally uh, on our Slack channel. We were talking about just how awesome the table of contents is. Even just looking at the table of contents, it's all broken down so beautifully, and it, it really gives you a sense of of how comprehensive this framing is. And, you know, I think that it's really important to be comprehensive and it's really important for, I I love, you know, as usual, I love your voice. I love your tone. I love your style. I love the way that you sort of hold people's hands and, you know, you make room in this framing for sort of all the uniqueness, all the, the unique alchemy of relationships. Because, you know, obviously when you give relationship advice, you know, there really is no one size fits all. Every different relationship is, you know, has, has its own cosmic address to it. Uh, and while this framework is, you know, I think pretty much universal to, you know, basically any relationship configuration you can dream of, it leaves a lot of space for experimentation and for play. Um, and that's another thing that really comes through in this book is, is sort of, you know, the, the equal importance of work and play, which is something that we talked about, I think it was last month. Yeah. So, so again man congratulations this turned out super amazing awesome and uh, I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah me too.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know one of the the fun things about this project is that there was more of a team involved. There's a lot of us doing this. Mm. And uh g- g- intersubjectivity is a magical thing. You know it it, it changes us. It challenges us. Uh, And, you know, it was a challenge to write this book. Um, I've read a bunch of relationship books throughout my career, as you can imagine, and loved all of them, learned a lot of good stuff from them, Um, uh, good techniques, good concepts, and so on. And uh, it really caused me to think a little bit, well, how come there's so many problems? How come there's so many miserable relationships when there's so much good information, there's so much good data in the world? And so, um, what what do I what can I add to that? How can I change? How can I write a book that's different in a particular sense, that has more of a chance of um, addressing what stops people from changing? Um, and uh, one great thing about Integral is Integral looks at a lot of different perspectives simultaneously. And one perspective is how do people learn, and how do people actually relate and love. And how much of that is influenced by the drives? How much of it is influenced by the, the evolution of consciousness and of culture? How much of it is influenced by what we want um, and by other kinds of cultural variables? And as it turns out, we're influenced by all those things. So, okay, what do we do? How, do we, how can we, we, we learn to love better? You know, the best way to learn to love better is to grow up in a family with parents who have a great love affair and a friendship, who are good at repair, um, are are on integral altitude on about 12 different developmental lines, and you have brothers and sisters, and everybody's doing okay genetically, and you're in a culture that doesn't scrunch you for being different. That's the best way to learn relationships, I think. You know, you really can't put that in a bottle. (laughs) Yes, can't do that. the next best way to learn relationships is in intimate relationship with someone who knows what they're doing. You know, and that's uh, often a teacher or a therapist, that kind of stuff. But how do we do it with the book? Um, that's a question to me. Um, and so there's a couple of things that, that I I've, I've considered. And I considered how do people learn things? And how do I learn things? And you know, we learn things best when one, we're ignited by a simple concept and then With that ignition of that simple uh, concept, it takes us deeper into complexity, but we don't even notice we're going deeper into complexity because we're ignited or interested. And so at the core of of loving completely is if you want a great relationship, then you need to have a good friendship, a good love affair and a capacity to repair injuries. You know, you have those three things and you maintain them on a daily basis, you're gonna have a good relationship. Now, that's pretty important. It's important because we're a pair bonding species. It's also important because in every happiness survey that's been done, the number one thing associated with happiness is I have a great relationship, primary relationship, then family relationship, and then other relationships. And in in all my books, I've always taken the position that everything is relationships all the time, relationships with ourselves and with other people. But this is the first book where I've, I've really zeroed in on, OK, you know, there's a the pair bond relationship at the center. Let's focus on that and then spread outward from that into other relationships and inward into the various relationships with ourselves. So OK, love affair, friendship, quick repair, fine. How do we do that? And that, that's where the core of loving completely comes. Um, how do we access our own inner wisdom because the problem in relationship often is when we need to be different most we're stressed and when human beings are stressed they don't want to be different they want to go with their habitual responses often defensive responses this is one of the reasons we can learn an awful lot about relationship and then you know if somebody calls us uh, if our if our lover or our husband or our wife gives us a hard time all of a sudden we're acting like we're three years old okay so what do we do about that well I organized this around five questions that you ask yourself about other people and about yourself. It reflect five core dimensions of love. And everybody who's been on, listen to these, uh, podcasts knows what they are, but I'm going to repeat them. And these are the five star questions and they're specifically questions. And the reason why they're questions is because when we ask ourselves a question, we're opening up a channel into our adaptive unconscious what I call our shadow. And there's a lot of information processing that goes on and there's a lot of wisdom that goes on. And when you ask yourself a question, you get an answer. And I want, want to encourage people to ask these questions and to open up these channels until after a while, their nervous system has learned to attend to these dimensions just like you attend to whether somebody's got blue eyes or brown eyes. And the five questions are, is there erotic polarity between me and this other person? Um, the, that's the first star. Second, does this person maintain their physical and psychological health? The third person is if we, if we are in relationship or we're in relationship and there's conflict, would this person be able and willing to do what it takes to get back to love? The fourth one is um, would this person show up appropriately for a p- child or a family member? And the fifth one is does this person feel a sense of appreciation and admiration for what's sacred to me? Um, and did they have something larger than themselves um, that's sacred to them? Um, if we go through life asking ourselves these questions about other people and asking these questions about ourselves, are we demonstrating these five characteristics at any given time? Um, we begin to open up to a lot of wisdom. Um, and again, these, these are simple questions. If we practice them, these simple questions then lead us into being interested in more complexity. And any one of these things opens up into um, volumes of social research, clinical experience, and practical uh, uh, pr- uh, uh, practices that have been shown to help people love better. Um, and you know, we have a culture that makes it difficult, frankly, to have a great relationship, even though this is a culture that, that uh, talks about love all the time and romance all the time and so on, but it's a culture that gets confused about a lot of stuff. Um, And so that's how I designed the book. That's how I designed the program. Um, And also human nervous systems don't like to learn new things if they feel unsafe. (laughs) When I don't feel safe, I'm not much open to new stuff. I'm open to doing stuff that's familiar that makes me feel safe. And this is another great thing about integral understanding. Integral understanding begins with a radical acceptance of the universe as it is, which includes me as I am. And when I have radical acceptance of the universe and of me, that opens me up to new perspectives and new practices. Um, And if I feel secure and if I feel safe, then that gives me a little bit of room to have compassionate self-observation. And of course, when human beings learn, they have to be able, if you're learning something that has to do with interiors, um, you need to have compassionate self-observation and other observation of others' interiors also to be able to accelerate that process and so in most of my books i have some form of uh, contempt of mindfulness Um, i call it integral mindfulness because it's it's uh, attuning to yourself and other people from integral perspectives i encourage people to learn that i teach it in the the early part of the book and then from that perspective move into the five stars and then just move into your life Um, and life is complicated just as you said and um At any given time, we can be from one value, meme, or another. Something that people don't, I think, generally understand about uh, the spiral dynamics or about the integral understanding of uh, integral address is our integral address is changing all the time. I might have a teal integral address, and you tell me, you think my shoes are ugly, and all of a sudden, I have a red integral address. Um, Now, if I have compassionate self-observation and notice that, I, I cannot let that reaction wreck our relationship. If I'm not aware of that, that defensive red reaction will damage our relationship, and people are very, very sensitive that way. And one aspect of loving completely that comes across, I hope, again and again and again, is that we're super sensitive to each other. Um, and that sensitivity matters. Uh, and that get, with that sensitivity comes a sense of responsibility. Um, Since other people are sensitive, my sense of responsibility is to have a a position of wanting to nourish their development and be aware that people get injured um, if I shift into some defensive position. And I encourage people to be aware of that also. And that's another central part of uh, loving completely um, around psychological health and then also around able and willing to get back to love. Because you know, if you want to be able to and willing to get back to love, you need to be able to receive influence and be able to consider you have a more constructive or destructive perspective. So anyway, all that stuff went into the book. Um, all that all that thinking went into how the material was presented, um, and also, you know, you don't really know something until you enact it, you embody it, and so along those lines, uh, this book—I don't know how many practices it has you know, probably there's there's 350, 380 pages. There's probably a hundred practices, and each one of those practices is designed to embody one of the core constructs um, that is being presented. Um, there are practices to identify and enhance your masculine or feminine essence and aspects. There are practices to identify your capacities to maintain your physical and psychological health and practices to address problems when they come up and to honor yourself for your strengths and so on. Um, Because if learning, if particularly relational learning needs to be embodied, if we're gonna be able to be different in the clutch with an intimate other, we need to embody ideas and practices. Um, And part of that is uh, uh, having a, a, a radical sense of acceptance and understanding of our own inner experience and others. Part of it is being forgiving of ourselves and others. And part of it is having a vision of what superior relating is and be working towards that um, vision. And really, you know, a subtext of Loving and Completely, anybody who's integrally informed recognizes that I'm really encouraging people in every page to enact a second tier relationship. Create that second tier container. In that second tier container, a lot of things happen. Power dynamics shift dramatically, you know, flex mm-hmm. flow. Um, um, it's hierarchical sometimes when it needs to be, and it's non hierarchical when it doesn't be. There's a radical acceptance of, of multiple points of view. There's diminished fear, which allows people to be more present. Um, there's an awareness of when they're coming from uh, more healthy or less healthy places. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's basically a, a map and a guidebook. To help people create and maintain that second tier relationship that I think is the promise of of the 21st century. I think that an awful lot of the solutions that need to happen in this world are going to come out of second tier inner subjectivity. And the best place to start is at home. And the best place at home to start is in your pair bond relationship with your significant other. And it really is, Keith, you know, I really,
0: when I'm, Flipping through the book, I mean, it really does come across as this extraordinary, elegant simplicity on the other side of a whole just shit ton of complexity. I mean, relationships are, you know, some of the most, I mean, they're they're insanely complex. They get really complicated. Well said. Well said. (laughs) You know, And, and again, one of the things I love about this book is you really do hold people's hands and you, and you suggest a whole litany of best practices to help dislodge people from you know from their own habits their own accumulated habits and their own you know various patterns of being that have been with a lot of us ever since childhood um and it helps us you know make those very very difficult subjects into objects and more importantly you know it's because because your book isn't just translative. in other words you're not you're not just writing a book that's, you know, sort of describing what an ideal relationship says and says, Hey, you know, good luck getting there. You're, th- this is, this is at its core. It's, it's a powerfully transformational book. Um, you know, if you, if you write from the very first page, if you and your partner or even you by yourself open up this book and take its contents, you know, as, as, as seriously as, as I think you probably should, you'll, you'll feel these shifts. Um, you know, beginning to be, beginning to take place within yourself and oh, between you and, and your loved one, basically immediately, um, and it's you know it, it's 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 wonderful in that capacity.
1: I, mean, I, I discovered um, early in my life when I be, decided to be a therapist that I really love people. You know, I love I love people. It's I love consciousness. I mean, it's. If I if, well, if I meet anybody who's who has any intent any any effort any of conscious of wanting to develop and grow, I, and just I just feel waves of love for that person, mm-hmm. and and I've seen so many people um, be so happy in in relationship, and so many people suffer. And also because relationships have their own stages and, and marriages. As I say in the beginning of the book, we have many marriages. And each one of them needs special attention. And, you know, it breaks my heart to see how often people's hearts have been broken. How often things have started out great. They have a great love affair. They're in the romantic infatuation stage. And one or the other or both of them couldn't make the transition into intimate bondage, mm-hmm. Couldn't deal with the defensive states that came up. It's always broken my heart to see that. And I've, I've, you know, a lot of my life has been dedicated to doing something about that. You know, after my doctoral dissertation uh, finally got accepted, I wrote a book called Teaching People How to Love. I never published that book, I still have it in a cupboard in uh, my office. I really, this is a mission of mine, and it's continued, and it just expanded radically um, after my integral awakening. Um, because integral provides a different kind of scaffolding and a different kind of challenge right. um, if, you know if, if you look at anyone any page of this book I'm speaking to red, amber, orange, green and teal and turquoise yep. on every page of the book and I'm looking for techniques and practices and approach, approaches that can appeal to various worldviews. Um, and also helping people understand that, that, there's, that there's certain simple things to remember about themselves and the world. One, my relationship is a big deal. I need to take care of it every day. And two, uh, to take care of it, I need to make sure I have a friendship and a love affair and a quick repair of injuries. And that doesn't just mean you know not having problems, that means having fun, getting back to play. Um, and three, I need to help my partner do this. And if there's a problem, I'm responsible to take care of it now. Um, uh, uh, One of the things I talk about in the showing up appropriately for a child or a family member uh, is couples in this country are not supported in their love affair when they have little kids. Um, That's the the reason I wrote The Attuned Family back, I don't know, about eight or nine years ago, just because there's so many. The subtext of The Attuned Family was how to be a great parent to your kids and a great lover to your spouse. And my thinking along those lines has continued to evolve, and that's a lot of what I put into the parenting chapter Mm -hmm. of first take care of business with your partner. And then um, use that, that love and that, that intensity and that, that luminance that happens in a relationship where people uh, maintain that sacred inner subjectivity and spread that out into your parenting. Um, and integral, again, it makes that challenging because integral tells us. Um, everybody thinks differently. People develop differently. We are at different developmental stages as adults. How do, we, how do we put that into how we love each other? How do we put that into how we have conflict with each other? You know, a funny thing about conflict, so say, uh, you know, you typically are at a green altitude, you know, when everything else is relaxed, and I'm in an orange altitude and everything else is relaxed. You know me so well. <laughs> if you and I have a fight, I'm going to start fighting from pathological orange at your pathological green, okay? So what, what happens? It's like, it's like Peterson had an argument with some really pissed off, self-righteous feminist in England. And it was so funny. You know, well, there you go. You know, now if you're not aware that you're doing that kind of thing, that creates a lot of damage. Right. Um, uh, you know, couples don't get damaged as much by an initial thing in an argument. They get damaged way more by what their partner says about two minutes later when they're all pissed off. Okay. Th- that's unnecessary damage. So in my, in my the, the part of loving completely about, um, getting back to love about conflict here's a simple concept um don't make don't let your fights last longer than 30 to 60 seconds and never ever start pulling in extra stuff from outside or from yesterday or from tomorrow or from four years ago into an argument um don't trust what you think when you're mad at your partner okay these are pretty simple concepts don't trust what i think about my partner when i'm mad at them okay that's good what should i trust what I should trust is that I want to have compassionate understanding for me and for them. Okay, trust that. Um, trust my intent to love better. You know, trust their intent to love better. Most people, you can assume positive intent. Um, and, you know, if we can expand this out on a worldwide, national, and so on. Most of the people that we're super pissed off at have positive intent most of the time. And that's useful for me to understand. A few of them don't. You know, some people are too wounded to, but most people do. That shared positive intent is what guides us. And especially in the pair bond relationship, especially in a marriage, especially in a, in a lover relationship. And so loving completely is pretty relentless about that. You know, it, you know you remember what you're doing. You know, you're loving somebody. So if I'm mad at somebody, I know what I'm doing. I need to get through this mad to, to love them again. Not just to pretend to do it, but to feel it. If they're mad at me, I need to help them get through that so that they can literally feel love f- from me and for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's job one. You know, it's not getting, being right or making my point or changing their mind. It's those things. Um, it's, uh, you know, it reminds me of Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi and uh, the Book of Five Rings. He's a sword fencer. And he said, you know, learn all this stuff about sword fencing and learn all the schools, learn all the sword attitudes and everything. He said, but when you take a sword in your hand, think always of the cutting your opponent. Okay, well, you know, as a martial artist, I thought that was pretty cool. But as a therapist, I went, hmm, every time I'm in a relationship, I need to think always of loving my partner. I need to think always of helping them love me. If I'm a therapist, I need to always think of the healing and of the growing, that it, there's a lot of perspectives and a lot of systems and so on. But here's a simple construct. Here's a simple place to direct my, my human superpower, uh, focused intent and action in service of principle and driven by result. So Living Completely was designed to present this. And I got to tell you, you know, the, this is all nonlinear stuff. But when you're writing a book, you gotta write it one word at a time. <laughs> right. So trying to figure out how to present a lot, a, a lot of nonlinear, interconnected concepts in a linear fashion was very challenging. Right. And so, you know, Loving Completely is my best attempt to date to do that. I try that in all my books. Um, but Loving Completely is the first one that I did for rela- specifically for relationships, even though I talk a lot about relationships in shadow light, growing your shadow, and in integral mindfulness, living a dialed in life. Um, and this one is specifically about relationships.
0: Right, well, and that's, that's another thing I noticed about the book, Keith, is, is, you know, as you say, you had to write it, you know, linearly because people read from left to right and top to down. And, you know, yeah, right. at the same time though, you know, sort of the holographic uh, nature of your teaching really does come through because I feel like you could, you and your partner could open up to a random page, just a random page and read a paragraph and you know it'll it'll ring true and what's interesting is if you then return to that paragraph after you know going back and starting the book over reading the first chapter or whatever you'll then enact it in a different way in other words it really is holographic all of these you know the relationship itself is more than the sum of all of these parts and the way we enact these parts is really dependent on how all the other parts are lined up and our relationship to them and our fluency with them and our our, you know, our perceptible agility and all of that. So it's, you know, the book reads sort of both ways, I think, where, you know, you really can just start in the first page and finish on the last page, or you can just thumb through and just, you know, hey, what do I want to work on
1: today? Oh, attunement. Okay. You know, today's attunement day. You know, the person person that inspired me about that is Ken. Yeah. I I do that sometimes with Ken's book. You know, I'll get the future religion, open up to a random page and read it. I go, whoa. Yeah. Or you know, or integral spirituality. I thought I want my version of that, you know, and and specifically to help people love. the the health benefits, the social benefits, every benefit of loving well are off the charts. Oh man, the political benefits. Oh god. I mean, yeah, it's 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 huge. Yeah, how would Congress be different? Just for a moment, how would the government be different if everybody in government? Had a satisfying, loving relationship where they had a great friendship, a great love affair, and 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 a, and a lot of ability to repair injuries when they happened. You know, how would that change everything? Um, so, so you're saying that that cheating on your wife with a
0: porn star would not qualify as loving completely?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, one of my most favorite unpublished books. I have three unpublished books, four unpublished books. Is a hundred reasons to not have a secret affair, and, yeah. and uh, you know I would have had a I don't know had another ten reasons if, if Trump had, if I had written that when Trump was in office I guess. I was going to say being, being president should probably be one of those reasons. <laughs> you know, it's it's one thing about this is and going back to the concept of loving completely, relationships aren't just being enacted when we're in the presence of another person. Right. Um, you know, I'm married to Becky. You know, everybody knows I'm married to Becky now. My relationship with Becky is happening right now. Um, I feel that inner subjectivity. I have, a, I have a lot of confidence that if the concept of Keith comes up with her, she's going to have a positive reaction to that concept. And she has a similar confidence about me, okay? That's a resource. Mm-hmm. And I, prote- I'm, I am protective of that resource. I nourish that resource. One way I nourish that resource is I let her know every time I see her, I'm glad to see her. Another way I nourish that resource is if I have a problem, I, don't, I, don't, I, I resolve that problem so that we're feeling warmth towards each other because I don't want her to be off someplace imagining me having a problem with her because then the relationship's being degraded. Right. In an extreme sense, if you have an affair with somebody, and you know affairs are a whole other thing. I mean, there's lots of different kinds of affairs and and there's lots of different reasons people have affairs. There's actually, every once in a while, there's a, there actually is a good idea to have an affair. Every once, there's a few exceptions to the 100 reasons to not have an affair rule. And if I ever published that book, I, I would add a chapter about what are the good affairs, the good mm-hmm. secret affairs. But mostly, when you have an affair, what you do is you make your partner disappear. And ultimately, when the partner finds out about it and feels that sense of betrayal, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're pretty pissed off because you disappeared them, and and that feel that disappearing them, you have to make somebody else disappear the romance, another person, and they don't care that evolutionary psychology says we're wired to cheat if we have an opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that is not an adequate argument if you get cheated on. Um, I know that because I've observed people try to use that argument with no success. And so one way of not letting stuff like that happen is one, to be aware of the drives and especially the sex drives. There's about a half dozen sex drives. There's not just one. And, and then to never have your partner disappear, to have them exist with a certain luminance all the time. And that is a practice. That's just as much a practice as having a sense of pure emptiness and pure fullness all the time. Or of a turiya sense of witnessing everything, everything happening at once all the time, everything. Okay, well, intersubjective, intersubjectively, that's our love exists all the time, and you exist all the time for me. Um, and the uh, Boston Change Study Group calls that the narrative of the other. You're aware of the other's life, and they're aware of yours. Okay, so that's one of the things I emphasize. Mm-hmm. And, we, and you mentioned habits. I have three or four chapters on habits. Why? Because 60% of what we do, or 40 to 60%, depending on who you talk to, Is habitual and that includes relationships and we habituate in relationships we habituate to our partner, no matter how wonderful they are. Now we can change that habituation in the same way that um, uh, Tibetan monks change their relationship with the present moment. Um, For instance, um, if you take a bunch of normal people and you sound a bell like this. That's what I use to energetically clean out my office between sessions. Mm -hmm. Everybody will have a certain part of their brain light up when they hear that bell. Okay, you keep doing it, and about 30 or 40 times later, people who aren't meditators, they start having less lighting up. They've habituated to the bell. With longtime Tibetan meditators, the hundredth time that you hear the bell, their brain lights up the same amount. Mm. Every single time, it lights up as if they're hearing it for the first time. Okay. Fully present. So in relationship, if I see, I walked on the beach with Becky this morning. If I see her approaching me on the beach and my brain lights up like I'm seeing her for the first time. You know, I'm in love with her. I've been seeing her for the first time in this situation. um, That's a practice, just like uh, mindfulness is a practice in uh, Tibetan Buddhism. uh, The practice is a practice. And if we do that practice, we're maintaining that friendship and that love affair and, that ab- and expanding that ability to solve uh, problems, but also we're expanding them. And there's something very, very uh, uh, sacred about a relationship that keeps getting deeper over time. This is one of the great arguments for monogamy. Not just that we're a pair bond species, not just that we have, in a, in a culture where you have egalitarian uh, Uh, standards and principles and practices you know equal power around stuff Um, not even in a a culture where um, uh, you want um, a lifetime of development and you have many 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 things that you want from your partner more things from a marriage that people have wanted before we also want our partner to support our personal evolution and to support their evolution and we and basically you do that in a relationship by by deepening your love throughout a lifetime and that's a daily practice. And there's a lot of things you can do in that daily practice. I've mentioned two or three of them so far, but there's you know, a bazillion others. And that's part of loving completely. Um, and, and you can't divorce that process from family. That's why the, yeah. the fourth star, this person show up appropriately for a child and a family member, or would I, is a big deal because a lot of us have children. And then that has to be integrated into that larger framework and that deeper inner subjectivity And as integralists, we know that that means we're gonna have to shepherd children through a a variety of complex developmental steps, optimizing their development while we're optimizing the development of the container of our family. Um, That's very challenging, but when you do that right, it's magic, it's beautiful. And at the heart of every family is that relationship between mom and dad, that friendship, that love affair. And that has to be in good shape, that's the center. Right, right.
0: Yeah, Keith, you were talking about sort of uh, the feeling of brokenheartedness that in a lot of ways has given you all the rocket fuel you need for, you know, your career. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you do what you do and why That's you're right. so, you know, skilled at it is, is as a way to, um, you know, help others uh, r- relieve themselves of that pain and that turmoil and that sense of, of brokenness. And you know, one of the one of the statistics that you surface in the book that you know really hit me in the heart and you know made me feel brokenhearted is when you say, Why is it that forty percent, forty percent, four out of ten of US adults report chronic loneliness? And sixty percent of the self reported lonely people are married and live with a spouse. Yeah. That's that's heartbreaking. It's yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. To be, to be surrounded by your loved ones by your family and and to still feel that separation and that isolation and that really that lack of fulfillment and so much of this does come down to fulfillment and this was you know one, one of the questions i had for you is you know you had mentioned earlier how when you were writing this book one of the things that you took into account is you know people have a really hard time learning something that's unfamiliar to them and in a lot of ways that's what relationship work is is you're 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 working with a partner to explore some uncharted water that exists between you so that hopefully at the end of the day you can you know arrive on the other shore and both of you feel more fulfilled than you did before you be, begin the process but it seems like you know it seems to me anyway that a, a very common relationship trap is you know, we're already very familiar in a certain sense with the current state of our relationship, regardless of how fulfilling it is, even if it's unfulfilling, that unfulfilling relationship is familiar to us. That's right. And the idea of taking that, you know, unfulfilling, but familiar relationship and evolving it, you know, sort of trying to push it forward into those unfamiliar, unfamiliar territories. That, that can be scary for people. So, and, you know, in a certain sense, it's almost like, you know, th- that familiar lack of fulfillment is more comfortable than taking on an unfamiliar step towards more, fami- f- towards more fulfillment. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I think my sense is anyway, that that is actually what's, what's kind of preventing a lot of couples from taking that next step. Because that next step is scary. Transformation is hard, it's messy. We bleed on each other. It's you know, um, and and it, it's it's not always this love and light process. Sometimes we gotta dig up some shit and bring it to the surface and metabolize it and digest it. And you know, it can be it can be scary. Which is another reason why I'm so grateful that you offer you know sort of the the, the guidance that you do and that your your care um, really comes through this. It doesn't it doesn't read like a set of relationship stereo instructions you know what i mean no, it's, not. <laughs> it's not like ikea furniture or anything like no, that no no it's not it's,
1: ikea here. well one of the things that that is not as evident in vertical development vertical development involves having wider perspectives you know mm. you know ken is really big on that on you know the, the whole pronoun thing you know of, of first, first second third fourth fifth person you can take more perspectives Well, also, that doesn't just happen interpersonally. It happens interiorly. I have more perspectives that I potentially can take of myself. Okay, now that's a good thing. But now I'm beginning to encounter blind spots and blocks and defensive places in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I'm not run off of habits, and I'm not run off of tradition, and I'm not run maybe primarily off of profit and loss. There's other stuff in there. And that stuff is protected. It's protected by, by shame. I don't want to look at it or disgust. Both of them highly social emotions. Everybody has the capacity for shame and, and disgust, but it's very heavily acculturated what makes us ashamed. So if, if I have some aspect of myself that I hide from, that's going to limit the amount of intimacy I'm going to have with my partner after we pass out of uh, romantic infatuation and intimate bonding. And because one of our defenses is projection, often I won't blame my own blocked self, you know, from that place. I'm blocking it with shame or with fear or with disgust or whatever. I blame my partner because they're not interesting enough or exciting enough or sexy enough or something. Okay. So that's not just habituation. That's my, the step forward means I have to go deeper into me as well as deeper into you. And that's a scary process. And there, and at least in this culture, there isn't a, a developmental understanding about why that is so important and so great. Psychotherapy in the, in the 20th century was all about healing injuries or wounds. You know, it's all psychopathology and then we heal psychopathology. They, in a way that it, it took the positive psychology people over the last 20 or 30 years to go, wait a minute, that's just part of the story. The other part of the story is having fun and playing and loving and sexing and and having a great time. Okay. Um, You know, say you're not an alcoholic, you're a social drinker. So how can you drink in a way that's better for you rather than worse? Stuff like that. and so in relationship, if you're thinking in terms of I want to, I want to solve the problems, yeah, the problems that we don't want to, we want to stop hurting each other, but that's only halfway. The next level is we need to start having fun. We need to start enjoying our conversations. We need to have more radical acceptance of each other and ourselves. So that means having to do the interior work as well as the exterior work. That's why I encourage people to ask themselves those questions about themselves as well as about their partners. Am I able and willing to do what it takes to get back to love right now? You know, am I taking care of my physical and psychological health in this moment? You know, do I have something larger than myself that I'm dedicated to? And I'm and am I, uh, uh, expressing the appropriate appreciation and admiration for what's sacred to you. Okay. Um, and you know, nobody does all this stuff all the time, but if, if I'm aware of those dimensions and I notice when I'm doing them well and go, yeah, The world is going well, and we're going well. And I notice when it's not working, I go, okay, it needs attention.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Awareness regulates. So just expanding my consciousness interiorly to myself and exteriorly to you, just expanding that awareness, that regulates our relationship towards love. Mm -hmm. And God, you know, everybody who does relationships has their own way of doing this. And there's all different kinds of people that would have different approaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, And and I like all of them. I I have great appreciation, admiration, know some of the people personally and so on. And they're all different facets of the same jewel. Now, some of them get all protective and and defensive about, you know, my system is better than your system is better than their system. I frankly have very little patience for that. you know, human beings are too smart to be 100% wrong. So every system has a lot of great stuff in it, and my job is to find the great stuff and the great, and I specifically, I need to find the great stuff that I need personally and that my relationship needs. And you know, that changes as we develop, which is another thing that I talk about in in wake in uh, loving completely. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, as we go through different life stage stages, the challenges shift. We have the same purpose. Um, but we have different challenges, and we have different different resources, both within ourselves and our relationship, to bring to bear on um, challenges. Um, um, like I said, it's, it goes from the simple to the complex to the simple to the complex. Yep.
0: yep. Well, and I'm, you know, and I'm and I'm glad you you really double clicked on you know the dangers of habituation because you know I think for most people in this audience, whether you're in a relationship or you're or you're you know going to be in a relationship or which is all
1: of us yeah which is all (laughs) of us right at all times
0: um you know i think we have something in the back of our heads that says you know i i i want a conscious relationship whatever whatever that means and there's sort of a thousand different definitions uh out in the spiritual marketplace of what a conscious relationship actually means but i think the one thing we can all you know likely agree on is that habituation is the opposite of conscious and that You know, there's, there's certain philosophies that say, you know, we're, we're actually only truly conscious when we're making a novel creative decision sort of unbounded by habit so that, you know, that's, 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 that's when we're actually lighting up and sort of expressing our full capacity for consciousness. And unfortunately, for, there's a lot of people out there who they might only make one genuinely conscious decision a day or even one a week which means they're running you know, through so much of their lives on autopilot. They're, they're letting their relationship sort of continue on autopilot without you know, sort of replenishing the rocket fuel that that relationship needs to, to genuinely thrive and continue to grow uh, and, to, and to become increasingly conscious. Um, and part of that, you know, becoming, having a conscious relationship means making these subjects into objects looking at them together without judgment without criticism you know there's sort of an acceptance like yeah that's that's kind of your baggage and i you know and i love you for it that's that's part of who you are and you know i'm i'm glad that this is something that we can bring more awareness to together and work on together and not feel you know uh so neither of us have to feel limited by these you know accumulated habits which you know as you say you, you know you, you sort of joking the begin the best thing you can do um, you know, to ensure, you know, a happy and fulfilling relationship later in life is be born into a loving, healthy, stable family. It's like, oh, sh- you know, shit. I, 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 I <laughs> no, we all missed that out, man- <laughs> months before I was born maybe, but, you know, there's not, not much I can do about that now. So, so overcoming a lot of that, you know, just accumulated yoke that follows us.
1: Um, well, and, and, um, and also, what's, part, of, part of what's reflected in what you're saying, there's an interesting statistic. Um, most of us will have at least we'll have more than one serious relationship Relationships are difficult and just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it wasn't successful People have had successful relationships that end for a variety of reasons Um, what I encourage people to do is is do your best to create what you wanted to create in that relationship Either it gets better or it ends You know it, it, It gets better or worse when you're making those kinds of conscious efforts so one interesting statistic is that second marriages are both, in general, people report being happier in second marriages, but they also, second marriages typically last less long than first marriages. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, people know how to get out of a marriage when they have a second marriage. And so if it's not working, they're quicker to pull the, tr- pull the trigger on it. But also people, some people have learned. They've learned about themselves. They've learned about intimacy. And they bring that learning to bear. They've included and transcended to a certain extent in their selection and in the way that they relate. And they're more likely to be happy with this next person. Okay. Um, it, it, particularly in, in modernity, post-modernity, post-post-modernity, um, it's good to be aware of that. I wanna, like, it's not a standard to be together forever. Um, though people that are together for a particular amount of time, in one study, there, was, there were 700 people who'd been together 25 years or more. And it was a staggering statistic. All 700 of them said, well, getting married to this person was the best thing, one of the, the, the best thing that ever happened to me. And which was, not even one of them said, I'm, I'm miserable. I thought that's a pretty, now, now I, I don't know if you could find another 700 people who've been married 25 years and not find somebody going, I'm just stuck in, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. But what that meant is that over those years, they would kind of shaped the, their universes together. It's called the Michelangelo effect. You tend to shape your partner in ways that work better for them. They mm-hmm. got more secure with each other. And, you know, obviously they would learned from stuff, been less habitual, you know, more progressive. Um, and so part of my mission in Loving Completely is to prime couples to do that. You know, work on making things better. Things will either get better or they don't. Right. And if they don't, okay, well, maybe you can have a, 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 um, a respectful end. Um, I have a chapter on ending relationships, uh, and I have a video, actually, on ending relationships on my website. Um, I, when c- couples come in and they're breaking up, I have what I call a separation session. Everything changes. And then, you know, we talk about, um, uh, I think Woodward is, has a book called uh, Conscious Uncoupling, and she did yeah. that, made famous with Gwyneth Palt- uh, yeah. Paltrow and Martin. Um, you know, and those are familiar principles and practices to me. I've been doing that a long time. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's not like you're a failure if it doesn't work, um, but um, it's not a good idea to go to sleep. It's a good yeah. idea to be awake. And this yeah. is going back to what you said about presence. Now, are there any questions? I'm curious if anybody has anything to say about this stuff.
0: Um, yeah, so again, uh, if you have a question for Dr. Keith, two ways to engage, uh, well, first off, get into the Zoom app. There's a link right underneath the player on intervallife.com live, if that's where you're uh, watching us right now. If you're already in the Zoom app, you got two ways to engage. You can either submit a question, a written question through the Q&A, which I'll read to Keith, and then he'll you know, bounce off of, uh, or you can raise your hand That'll let us know you want us to turn on your camera and we will, and you can ask your question in real time. So there's your instructions, two different ways to talk to us. We have a a hand raised right now from Loring Palmer. So let me bring Loring on over. Loring. Hey. And Hey,
2: Loring. Hey, Dr. Keyes, congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. I have a question regarding love. I mean, everyone's promising that, it's the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. However, um, my experience has been not always able to c- maintain the second tier relationship that we talk about in uh, Integral. Now, I've been with uh, <clears> the <throat> Evolutionary Collective for five years. I think it's a, you know, a great opportunity for interaction, creating a we space. However, you know, after the original excitement and hit, uh, you can't have a, a we space with every everyone. And uh, soon you're back in your old dualistic us and them uh, space. Now there's also, I've been involved with, you know, Zen Buddhism, uh, Vajrayana Buddhism. I'm doing dream work, which has been very effective. Uh, but. Here you are with a new book, talking about love, exercises to make it happen. Is this gonna Is this gonna do it, or are we just more
1: pissing in the wind? <laughs> well, first of all, that's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, one of my uh, in one of my meditations, I got a I got a guide. He, turns out to be to be krishna i don't know why it turned out to be krishna and he and i were having a conversation about this and uh and uh, it, it was apparent as you know we were relating you know you, you you basically go from one taste all the way down to our evolutionary roots and every place in the and we're human beings we can consciously inhabit pretty much all that stuff what does that mean that means we're going to spend a lot of our time in, in dualistic thinking. We're going to spend a lot of our time dealing with uh, material reality. Um, you know, I have, I've got an impacted tooth. I've got to get it pulled in and fixed. You know, that's important to me. Okay, that's, as long as I'm embodied, that's going to happen. Now, how does this, tr- you know, translate? Um, one thing that you'll notice in, in the evolutionary collective is that the, the core practice of the evolutionary collective creates a certain kind of, of depth of inner subjectivity. You know what I'm talking about, right, Lorraine?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Okay, well that depth of inner subjectivity has a radical sense of acceptance in it. Now that that radical acceptance isn't non-judgmental. You know, our nervous systems are still making all the judgments, but there there is a deeper part of us that is 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 including that in everything else and, and relating on, a, on a, a level that's beneath the judgments. Um, uh, Patricia calls it the origin point, origin point to origin point. Okay, that origin point to origin point uh, connection is especially yummy between partners, between lovers. Can be. Uh, yes, it can be. Well, if it happens, it's yummy. Okay? Yes. If it's you know, if it's not yummy, it's not happening. Um, now, what does this mean? Okay, it means given all the challenges of people and of being embodied, I need to recognize that that I'm going to stray off of that all the time, but I know where to direct myself back, origin point to origin point. Now, if I have a partner who's doing the same thing, things tend to go well for us. That being said, there's a lot of v- Uh, vagarities of human existence that that happen that affect us and affect relationships you know Becky thought she wanted to go to the medical school once when we were 30 that might have ended our relationship if she'd gotten into med if she decided she wanted to fall through on that so my point about this is is that every once in a while it doesn't work Um, but what this does is is it takes into account the fact that as long as we're alive and embodied um, our relationships are going to be of central importance and if, if we're mindful about that, we have a directionality to direct our attention and our action and our thought and, our, and so on towards deeper love, towards essentially loving completely. That's a good way of being. Now, what that does is increase your odds of being fulfilled. It increases your odds of having a relationship that continues to expand, but it doesn't increase them to 100%. Nothing does. No guarantees. No guarantees. But, but it, it does create an awareness, just like Integral does. One of the things I loved about Integral is that I really got, finally, that whatever level I am is just a level I am, and there's levels ahead that I'm growing towards. That was a radical concept for me. That, that was one of the most transformative concepts, uh, constructs in, in Integral because I stopped trying to get it. I just said, okay, I just want to do the best I can, given what I've got, and be open to what's next to who I am next, to who we are next in relationship. Um, and so that's part of the underlying theme of, of loving completely. So is it a is it 100%? No. Does it improve your chances? Uh, absolutely. Um, does, it, does it provide a roadmap for when you're going uh, in the right direction, in the wrong direction? Yes, it does. Um, is there uh, uh, directions for a variety of interventions if there's problems? Yes. Is there directions for a variety of places to go to have more fun? Yes, there are. Um, that Given that, we still have the problem of human existence. We still have the, the problem of our separateness. Um, I'll get the book and read it. Yeah, please. And let me know. Let me know what you think. I'll do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Lauren. Yeah, that was, that was a great question. Um, well, and, and it got me thinking, Keith, you know, maybe what we should do is ask our audience. You know, I guess I guess a question to reflect on right now is, um, you know, do you feel like, not you, Keith, you, you, the audience member, well, and you, Keith, do you feel like you are fully showing up in your relationship to the best of your capacity? Do you feel like your partner is fully showing up For you? If the answer is, you know, well, maybe not for any of those, I I would ask you to reflect on, you know, where do you feel like you're getting stuck? What are those sticking points? Is is it, is it, it, you have a problem with habituation? Do you have a problem with, you know, your own self-acceptance? Do you have a problem with, uh, displaying vulnerability? Do you have, you know, is it a basic attunement problem? We just really can't seem to get on the same page together. Maybe 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 take a moment to reflect on that, um, and then you, you know you can feel free to ask Keith about any aspect or facet of your relationship where you do feel a little bit stuck, and want to create you know just a little bit more fluidity there. Um, maybe maybe that's a question that people can reflect on and uh, and ask you either by raising their hand or submitting a question through Q and A. And while they think about that, Keith let me actually, you know, turn that on to you. Was there, was there some part of writing this book that was either, you know, particularly challenging for you on a personal level or, or on the flip side, really came out of sort of a wisdom that you discovered through a a particular heartbreak in your own life or, um, you know, some of the, turbulence the very common turbulence that people feel in relationships how much of your own sort of
1: story uh can be found in this in this book i'm i'm well both directly and indirectly all of my story Mm. is in this and my other books um you know when you're when you're a seeker um you're and, and 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 when you're a channel you know those things flow together and so you know, my my life has been characterized by fewer mistakes um, <laughs> as I've as I've developed. Um, there's that. Also, I've been influenced heavily by my by the people I've worked with over the years, um, mm-hmm. and also by 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 other stuff. We're always influenced by our dreams and our wounds. Uh, mm-hmm. And yes, that that influences. And, and you know, you try to to address that, but you know. For instance, I'm more of an individualistic and less of a communitarian person. So there's less about communitarian stuff in this book than there could be because communitarian stuff is super important for relationships. But I'm not as deep on that. So there's less of that. You know, I tried to add some of it because I knew it was important, but it wasn't as natural for me as the more individualistic stuff. Also, there's there's a question that somebody put in and I'd like to answer it if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, please do. Okay, someone asked a question. He, he, he and his wife, they're in their 60s, got together eight years ago and she developed Parkinson's. And as a result of her Parkinson's, it's limited their capacity to be together. Um, you, know, her, uh, you know, Parkinson's slowly shuts down aspects of your body and so on. And he, and he asked about it. Um, and I think it's a really important question. Uh, Should we read the whole question, Keith? Sure, I'll... You can, can read it out loud if you like. Okay, go ahead. Uh,
0: Yeah, so uh, what they ask is, I was fortunate to marry my third wife about eight years ago. We're both in our mid-60s now and have been very happy together. Unfortunately, she came down with Parkinson's about two years ago, and her condition has forced a lot of changes on both of us. We've had to give up a lot of the things we used to love doing together. Loving intimacy as we knew it is gone, as she feels that she cannot enjoy being touched except slightly and for very short intervals. I love her and I want to have a happy life with her. The challenges that have appeared as a result of this disease have really made it tough for the both of us. Can you advise
1: us on how to be happy with what we have? So this is an important question. Yeah. Um, uh, I have a brother-in-law who's developing Alzheimer's. and My wife is the primary caregiver for him and that's increasingly a problem with neurodegenerative diseases in our culture. And we'll be going into the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. So it'll be a major health crisis and so on. Um, And uh, uh, one thing that, that at least my experiences and the research says is get lots and lots of support and find ways of connecting that feel intimate with each other, but it does involve losses. It doesn't involve stress. Um, it's a just very, very difficult. Uh, it, you know, one of the things that, that can reduce our level of happiness is having to care for uh, a, a family member that has um, a, a degenerative uh, condition. Um, now, often with Parkinson's, you maintain uh, your ability to think and relate, which is great. Um, You tend to lose that um, if you have a a dementia, Alzheimer's or multi-infarct dementia. So there's not an easy or quick answer. There's get lots of support. Find the ways of being intimate and being loving with each other that you can and enjoy that. Find the ways of touching that you can, that can feel intimate and even erotic if possible, that you can. Uh, It reminds me when I did my sex therapy training once in... uh, Nineteen seventy-seven, six or seventy-seven. There was this quadru- young quadriplegic man. This, gay, this young man who was gay, and he only had uh, sensation on the right side of his um, uh, torso and on I think one of his legs. But he, so he had learned how to make love by stimulation along those those particular spots, and had found lovers who participated with him. Um, and so there's that. Uh, but beyond that, um, that's just very, very difficult. And it's hard in America. America doesn't provide much support for situations yeah. like this. And that's a national disgrace and a national tragedy that is very difficult. That's, that's why I get lots of support. And, and not just support in terms of caregiving and stuff, but emotional support and friend support and that kind of stuff. Um, and also it just illustrates relationships are complicated. And that we have many marriages, and so the mar- this was a—this di- is a different marriage now, um, with your partner having Parkinson's. And I'm—and I'm sorry. Sorry that she has to go through, and that you have to go through it. Yeah. And thank you for asking. Yeah.
0: So, do we have any other questions? Again, either submit it through the Q and A, or raise your hand and ask in real time. Um, otherwise I'm Keith, I'm starting to think this whole audience already has this relationship stuff (laughs) all figured out
1: now, now, now
0: (laughs) that's, that's that's an interesting thing about the title of the book, you know, we call it loving completely. And, you know, I think that there's, there's a bit of, um, a a bit of subtlety to that notion of completely, right. There actually, there is no end state here. There's Uh going to be a point in time where you're like, Oh, that's it. We're complete right we've done all the work there is to do we've done all the play that there is to do we now love each other completely i mean as ken often says you know there's no such thing as full enlightenment just like there's no such thing as being fully educated right Uh, there's always room for more completion to be more and more and more complete and uh this book no matter again no matter where you are on this path on this journey together Um, there's, there's, there's more waiting for you. There's more fulfillment. There's more happiness. uh, There's more support. um, There's more love just hiding right behind the corner. um, All you got to do is, you know, take, take, take the mission, take the journey seriously and you'll find it. You'll, you'll, you know, discover these untapped reservoirs of love that exist, you know, deep in your own heart and in that
1: intimate space between you and your partner. Yeah that that title loving completely came from David David Reardon you know we were working on the the audio course and that was a challenge you know when you're going to talk about stuff like this which i do you really have to get out of the way i mean you know it's yeah. it's a big topic you know it, there's an awful lot of positions that you have to take and I, you know, to a certain extent, Keith's ego has to disappear and I, I need to just let the stuff come through in the best way possible and shape it in the way that I think is the most fun to be received and the most useful to be received. Um, and and so this was my best effort. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I'll have a better effort in the future. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel that way about every one of my books, you know, right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, the, But I feel that way about this one because this was the first one that was specifically going specifically to this relationships right. you know primarily this starting at the center with this love relationship right it's a big deal it's close to my heart it's important it's a source of endless fascination to me and, every, and other people and devoted a lifetime to studying mm-hmm. it and generating material about it yep. and there'll be more that will come too and we'll talk more about other aspects oh
0: of- oh absolutely and you know the other thing i just want to uh, sort of double click on keith is is how foundational this this material is. You know, when we first designed the Interval Life Practice Kit, geez, what was that, 12, 13 years ago, something like that? It mm-hmm. had four components. It had the basic four components, body, mind, spirit, and shadow. After sitting with that for over a decade, it became increasingly clear that if we did not add this fifth element of relationships, we are missing something that is just absolutely core to all of this. To yeah. all of it. Because it's your capacity again to show up in relationship, whether that relationship is with your your wife, your lover, your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or with the cat, you know, the person at the cash register opposite you at Seven Eleven. This is your opportunity to show up, which is one of the reasons why we made this um, core to the Integral Life Practice offering itself. And I just want to suggest that this book is is actually. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it represents the core module of, of, of that element, of that practice element. Um, so, you know, if, if you are already engaged in an Interval Life practice or you go to intervallife.com practice and you look through our many practice offerings there, you'll see some stuff with Keith around relationships. And I just, you know, I, I again, really want to emphasize how absolutely pivotal and foundational uh, as well as aspirational, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're helping us sort of push the, the ceiling, push through the ceiling, or push that ceiling higher up, but really at our very base, at our very foundation, this capacity to, you know, it's number three in the book. It's the capacity to return to love again and again and again. That really becomes the substrate, not just of your relationship, but of your entire practice. Your entire enactment of the world around you, your entire engagement with this thing called life. Um, and I think it's, you know, just again, Keith, beautiful contribution.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really great. Looks like we have a final question from uh, Ilmar, who writes in the chat um, What do you do in a situation where your partner isn't willing to take any steps in personal growth with me? Basically, her focus is in a fairly, fairly liberal but Christian context with little interest in personal growth in any other context. That is a context in which I find it very difficult to feel and act authentically.
1: Well, it, now, if, if you were a couple seeing me, th- I would be very curious about what her beliefs were about what Christ would want her to do in a relationship. You know, I, I want, I'm very interested in that. Does, you know, does Christ want you to have a good love affair with your partner? Does Christ want you to, to return to love quickly if there's conflict? Does Christ want you to play with your partner? Um, does he want you and your partner to be on the same page of parenting? Um, uh, you know, check out Christ's contact, that, that, that personal relationship if she's a born-again person uh, and has a personal relationship. And I'm interested in it. And, and I have, a I have a lot of faith in Christ, <laughs> you know, like, you know, maybe she doesn't want to deal with interiors, but she's willing to deal with the fact that she's feeling um, uncharitable
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that she needs to get more charitable. Okay. You know, as long as, as long as she has a language and an approach that can move her into your friendship and your love affair and then re- repairing injuries. Okay. You know, you might not have the same language for it. Um, you know my my wife's spiritual teacher is a channel to Bo- tibetan buddhist monk called Dwal and you know one of the things they do is they have this ray thing with all these different colors and i've had becky explain it to me i don't know a dozen times i just can't seem to get the colors right in terms of the rays in terms of how she thinks about it but we have an understanding about what we're doing in our relationship and so so that 's where I would go with her if, if 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 you guys came in and were working with me as a couple and find out what that what, what where that goes and what that means and so on that That being said, you really need to have some relationship with your interior whether um, whether it 's from contemplative prayer or, or my or attunement which I teach or or any kind of mindfulness. Mindfulness based stress reduction doesn't matter. There has to be some sense of relationship with your own interiors, it has to be some kind of compassionate self observation. That's the foundation of all contemplative practice, it's the foundation of all psychotherapy, really. Um, The behaviors used to say you didn't have to do it, but they were wrong, you know, because they taught people to have compassionate self awareness of their behaviors. It was like that, okay. So, good luck with that. I mean, really good luck with that. And you know, and if it's not working, go see a therapist. Right. You know, it's, it's, it really helps to have a third person making things safe and looking for how things can go better. Yeah. Uh, and I, I recommend do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Nilmar, I, I would also suggest, you know, getting a copy of Keith's book. Yeah. Check it out for yourself. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be just a, a, a marketing book right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about it's really, it's about finding Great Christmas gifts. Yeah. No, it's, it's about finding a common language with your partner that's right and you know my my sense Keith is again how you wrote this book is that it can it can interface or intersect with any number of other sort of teaching modalities or any number of other sort of approaches to these questions where you know the signifiers that people use may be a little bit different but I'm willing to bet that nine times out of ten the signifies you know those sort of those interior reference that we're actually trying to you know wrap a shared language around i'm willing to bet that those are fairly universal and um yeah because they're driven
1: by the drives they're driven by the instincts
0: that's right which are themselves that's right and
1: also when you hit a certain level of consciousness the relationships at that level have certain characteristics that are demanding characteristics yep you know, this, as, you, as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, it becomes more important from a systemic standpoint, for instance, um, uh, to have uh, safety with each other, which often involves monogamy. Um, you know, that, that's, that, that's a practical standard. You know, that the, the monogamy is something that I need with my partner to be able to maintain the level of depth that I want to have. And that's often the case, though, not 100%, because nothing's 100%. Yep. So anyway, people, check it out. If yep. you you know, let me know what you think. You know, read the book, let read parts of the book. Let it you know, get back in. You can find my my contact uh, contact me through my website. If you like the book, tell your friends about it. You know, let's let's go this spread the loving completely message into the universe, everybody. That's right, that's right. And well, I'm sorry, Keith. I
0: I know we're trying to wrap up here, but I have one more piece to say to Ilmar, which is, you know, the, the fifth key that Keith um identifies in the book is is supporting each other's deep soul purpose that's right from the way you describe how your girlfriend orients to this stuff seems to me just you know cursory kind of reading here but it seems to me that that is probably central to her so you I, i might suggest that you do what you can to make sure that she feels like her deep soul's purpose is being supported by you and that even though she might use you know Um, sort of a a Christian framing from this. It sounds through your text like maybe that's not exactly your frame, but if you can find a way to make her feel supported in that, you know, really, really critical facet of her own life and her own spiritual sort of awakening and becoming, becoming, (laughs) becoming, uh, you know, the, the more she feels supported, there's a good chance the more uh latitude she's going to have in terms of entertaining things like uh you know reading this new book by by dr keith wick well it, you're
1: acting you're acting like a couples counselor now you're working right. and it, that's good couples counseling you know you're starting a dialectic around the issue and you know once once you got a dialectic going around issue good things tend to happen so anyway good luck with that omar yeah really good luck with that
2: okay.
0: well keith this has been absolutely fun, fantastic. I want to remind everyone, you can order Keith's book right now, right underneath this player on intervallife.com slash live. You can get the ebook a full, what is it, 10 days or something like that? No, nine days before anyone else can read it. So you can be special. You can be cutting <laughs> edge. You can be ahead of the curve. You can use whatever sort of ego, you know, illuminating kind of language you want here. You'll be awesome because you'll be one of the very first to pick up Keith's new book. Uh, read it, love it. Come back to us next month. I think next month, Keith, we're going to talk about The Art of Happiness. You sure are. Uh, that's going to be great. Um, in the meantime, yeah, buy the course, buy the book, buy the soft cover, buy it for your friends, buy it for your family, buy it for your teachers and your, you know, whoever. Your lovers. And, and, and the poor cash attendant at the 7-Eleven. Get one to him, too. <laughs> And someone send a copy to Donald Trump, please. <laughs> yes. Much love to everybody. We'll
1: see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve. Bye, everyone.